Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today is Monday, the 17th of August. We're past half of the month here. We're living in a heat wave in L.A. Um, by the oceans, it's not so bad. Um, that's like 80 degrees, which is actually pretty high for living by the ocean. And then as you go inland, it's over 100. There's places, there's a place that's like 100 and I, I don't think it's 20, but it's just below. It's in the high teens. And I think, gosh, and then living in the low deserts, but air conditioning and rolling energy and all that, um, rolling shut blackouts and that kind of thing are par for the course today. But I wanted to talk about something that we don't really acknowledge, and that is our fear of the future. It translates in everyday life into anxiety because what we're dealing with is we are fearing something that we just don't know. Nobody knows the future. We are so used to knowing everything that when we don't know something, how will our kids grow up? What will my husband do? What will my wife do? Will I still have my job? all the way to politics, all the way to finances, all the way to every single part of our lives. It's like a machine. It needs to all work together. If one part falls, it can cause the other parts to fall. So we're constantly holding our breath, trying to keep this ship afloat. And yet, we never talk about it. We all understand that fear. We all understand that we are living in it. We might say things like, I'm having an anxiety attack or I feel anxious about this. And you, you talk about what this is. But yet it's elusive, right? Once you start talking, it's like, yeah, and then there's this and then there's that. And you start adding all this stuff into your thoughts, and it starts to haunt you. So the fear of the future is actually, believe it or not, a natural part of the psyche. And even endocrinologists, I hope I said that right, offer they offer explanations for this because they say that fear triggers the release of hormones And those hormones increase our alertness, preparing the body so that it can be ready to move, run, fight. And it gets you in that mode, right? But that's great if you're faced with something to fear. But if what we are fearing 
is part of our everyday life, that every day we wake up and we are run by fear, we will be exhausted. It's hard to stay in a fear mode, just like even being in a happy mode all the time and you have all this energy and you still need your quiet space. You still need to rejuvenate somewhere. But for some reason, we have this bias towards optimism. I cannot tell you how many times people would have said to me or did say to me, why are you so happy? Like I had to have a reason. To the point where some people like, because I I was just whatever I was to them, while I was there, would go around and talk about me. And after the party or the event, and I would hear the things that they said because they said them to people they did not know were close to me, I was like, wow, that's telling. Never hurt my feelings because I knew that my feelings were mine. I don't need to add their feelings to me because now I'm taking them and their baggage and putting it on top of me like peanut butter on a slice of bread. You can't separate the two because you don't know what's them and what's you. But I knew it was them because I didn't even think that of them. I didn't think good or bad of them. I just met them. All the way to the point where someone said, oh, you know what, she's she's covering something up and even went into my childhood to someone. And they just met me. I can't even come up with that. But this bias towards optimism is why? Because people are scared, if you want to talk about fear, fearful of being optimistic. Because there's other people I met in those nights that were happy too, that were making things work in their lives, that were looking at things as though they will work as opposed to, I dare it to work, which is a completely different energy. I dare it to work is putting pressure and expectation on top of you daring it because nothing ever works out for you. But why not? Why do we have that bias? How could we say that we can't be happy? Because if we are, something will happen that takes it away. Now, that's another fear we're laying on top of it. And I have to say, because fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt are all our ego trying to get in our way, it's one of its best tools. Is It starts with fear. That's why fear is number one. The doubt, the worry, the control, the guilt, all that comes comes in after fear because it needs the fear to feed off of. We have that confidence that things will work out in our favor. And that's the stuff that I hear every day right now. 
people are scared about our world. They're scared about their city. They're scared about their schools. They're even scared about the post office. They're scared about the election. Everybody at this point, our fear is preparing us to move, run, or fight. Our adrenaline is on, but it can't stay on 24-7. I know people who cannot sleep right now because they're so worried about their children going back to school or whatever it is that we are dealing with right now. And in many cases, the ultimate price to pay would be life and death decisions. So how do we remain optimistic when we are also biased towards optimism, when we fear our futures? How do, how do we do all of that? And reeling yourself into today, which I know everyone says live in the present, but bigger than living in the present is being present in the present. Because you're going to live. You're going to live today, you're going to live tomorrow, you're going to live until you're done here. But how do you be here? Like, how do I say to myself, wow, what can I control? And what can I do today that will make me feel productive? Maybe I could help somebody. Well, how do I find someone to help? But what you'll notice is people come all the time. Even sitting with our parents and letting them talk is helping somebody. Just because they're our parents, it doesn't mean they're not a person. Teaching our children something. If our children have friends that come over, teaching them, bringing them into the kitchen, teaching them to cook something, sitting and drawing with them. I know it sounds funny, but these things make a difference. But I go back to taking the best action you know how, no matter where on the spectrum of fear you are, and taking your best action from this minute forward, because that is all you can control. And you are the only one who can do it. So Liam says, are some people predisposed to feeling fear more than others so much that it can become an illness? I believe there's a difference between fear because of external circumstances and fear because of internal circumstances. It all starts internally, which is why we attract to the stuff we pull in from our environment to support our fear. If I don't have fear internally, I am not going to look for things that are going to make me more fearful. I'm going to look for things that work because that talk that Christ had with us about balance, there's always balance. So if there's a lot of fear, there's also a lot of strength. But if the people that don't lack or that lack the fear are also the ones who instill it, and they're the ones we're following, then now we have fear plus fear is going to equal fear. But it all starts inside. And I really, really had to work with this because 
I'm around people who are hardwired, like Liam is talking about, to fear. What if this doesn't work out? What if that doesn't work out? And the minute I say we we called um, ego OCD, we renamed it in our home. And I say, oh, that's OCD. But I've taught them that when something comes in and goes against the grain of your natural thoughts, because we don't do anything unless we think we're going to succeed, even if it's adopting fear is our way of thinking, is, is our filter. Because we can look through a different filter, but we don't even know we can do that because we think we're too stacked up in fear. Oh, nothing ever works out for me. Oh, I'm the one that people talk about. I'm the one that people, why? People talk about me too. Why don't I use that and go through that filter and react to that? I react to it because I have that optimism. I don't have the bias to trying to work it through. And I give a chance and a second chance, maybe even a hundredth chance. And then one day I'll realize this person is taking away from my happiness and they don't understand that they're doing that no matter what I say. So I need to not take away from my happiness because if I do, I will not be able to do what I do. And I will not believe myself if I try to tell you it works if I don't know what to cut out and what to keep in internally, I did used to come from fear because I was taught about fear. Everything I did was fearful. Leaving the house, looking on my sides while I'm driving, going to school. Everything was laden in fear and I was supposed to avoid trouble at all costs. And I was told what things would get me in trouble. And it even involved talking to certain kinds of people. Because I was a girl, I couldn't talk to boys. And it was like all this extra stuff that I probably never would have thought about if nobody put it in my head to think about. That's why the book, Original Love, dials us back out of patience. Our fears them truly from us being scared to be confident about our own lives and it's a great placeholder it can hold you in place for the duration of your lifetime i remember a policeman pulling us over because we had a person of color in our car the man that was with us was six foot four huge, and he was a person of color. I've never gotten pulled over in my life, and I saw why they pulled us over. But because I didn't have fear, I was sitting in the back seat. I was going to get out of the car, and the policeman was like, don't move. You stay in the car. And he was trying to intimidate me. So while I was in the car, and the person that was six foot four was scared to his boots over what 
he, us being pulled over, and my son was driving. We were just going to take him out to dinner. He came to visit us. We were going to all go out for dinner. We did not even turn the corner from our house, and either someone called the police or the police saw us, and the first thing they said was someone said there was some action here with three people in a, in a car like this one. I said, really? And what were we doing? Why did someone call? What was going on? And he had no answer. He did not know I lived two houses away. But in the meantime, I wasn't going to argue with him. I called 911 while I was sitting in the back seat. I figured I can't get out of the car, but he can't stop me from making a phone call. And I said, 911. And then they answered, and I said, we just got pulled over two houses away from where I live because we have a person of color in our car and we're going out to dinner. We are being accused of some kind of activity in the area, which can't be true because I live two houses away. And if anyone would have called, I would have been the person to call if there was something going on in my area. This has never happened before. This is the name of the officer, which is all I could see. I couldn't even see his head. And I told them the name of the officer and what department they were from. He heard me make this call. I wasn't scared of him. I did not fear him. And they let us go. Because he knew, I knew my rights. He knew, I knew what he did wasn't okay. And in truth, he didn't let us go. He held us under very bad circumstantial thoughts. And whatever his biases were, we were going to have to live in his nightmare if we did not know, I did not know our rights. And I remember the man saying, I can't believe you just did that. And I said, why wouldn't I do that? You got so used to being silenced that that fear you live in paralyzes you. And he's literally twice my size. If I'm walking behind him, you can't even see me. So fear, if I were a fearful person, I don't know how that situation would have turned out. But because I have confidence that things will work out in my favor, it's just trying. Thank God for cell phones. And that was before we filmed stuff everywhere. But that was an emergency. That was going to be a situation that would have gone out of control had I not understood that I could help myself. Action, I could. I accepted life as it came. And I didn't allow somebody else's stuff to get in my way, even to the level of somebody believing they had authority over my life or somebody else's life under my watch. When we face fear, when we face fear, we gain strength. When we don't face fear, the fear takes our strength. It takes it with our permission. 
And it's not like you get up and you say, well, I'm not going to be fearful today. But you can wake up and say, I'm going to do my best. Is this my best? And keep asking yourself to show up at your door every single day. And the bigger the reward for overcoming it, the harder it's going to fight you. It's not that ego is good or bad. There's people who are like, I've mastered my ego. I'm like, really? (laughs) How? How did you master it? It's going to show up. It's going to throw you off pace. It's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's great. But what if it doesn't work out? What if you don't get it? Maybe you should lie to get it. Nobody will ever know. And then you'll get it faster. And it tries to behave as your best friend. And that's where Christ said the ego has an entrance plan, but it never has an exit plan. The minute we listen to fear and we do whatever it is that we do to protect ourselves, whatever that means, We don't believe that we are even protected, that we can even protect ourselves. So we use fear to help us. Fear that has no promise in it at all. So we have choices every day. How do I want to live my life today, Monday, August 17th, 2020? How do I want to live it? Well, today, I'm going to work in the house. We have workers coming. I have to run a couple of errands. I'm going to do wash. I'm going to make dinner. And that's it. That's all I've got for Monday. And when I have spare time, I may want to read or write. Not blockbuster stuff, pretty mundane to anyone listening. But in those things... If I am doing my best in that time, then whatever I have tomorrow, I'm going to do my best as well. It's not what we do. It's the mindset we do it in. And then I say, well, that's enough for today. I need a quieter day. And to me, this is a quieter day. As soon as my show is done, before it gets super hot outside, I'm going to go walk. My daughter and I meet each other so that we stay true to our time. It forces us to get up, get dressed, get going, be ready. And we have to start before the sun gets hot. And I even forgot to mention it because it's so much part of my day, it's who I am. And not only did we start walking... All of a sudden, my son said, do you mind if I come? He doesn't talk to us. He puts his headphones on and walks behind us, but he's there. And then my daughter's fiancé said, well, you guys go all the time. I want to go with you. And normally he sleeps till about 9 in the morning. And then he said, wow, it's really nice out here this early in the morning. I really like this coming with us twice a week. One day he swims in the ocean while we walk. We're all together. 
can hear me. Oh, right at the last minutes of the show. That's a bummer. But I will continue because sometimes it does show up in um, archives. Huh. That's weird. Huh. That's so interesting. Okay, so now I'm back. I don't know what happened, but hopefully it will show up in archives. So taking our best action is the best an only way to face the anxiety that fear wants to give us. Because I have to tell you, being with somebody who has an illness that every day shows us a different side of life, because you just never know where that life is going. But we're fighting to make the best of that life, and you realize how important a life is. It's as important is not fearing it. What scares us most about the future is knowing that nothing is permanent, that even though we're okay today, we may not be okay tomorrow. But you also may not be here tomorrow. And if you are here tomorrow, it's probably going to be like today. We are not going to fall apart in a day's time. But sometimes you say, well, nothing lasts forever. My loved ones will eventually die. Well, all that is going to happen, whether we are fearful of it or not. I go back to that day in the car when I dialed 911. And I called the police on the police, basically. And this was before all of this stuff happened. It was before people videoed with their phones. We used to take pictures at that time, but not like with all the videos and stuff that's going on yet. This was at least seven years ago, at least. Had I feared, I may have been telling you a different story, but I did do my best. My best was to ask for help. My best was to recognize that just because somebody had a uniform on it didn't mean that they didn't have bias. It didn't mean that. And I did believe my call was going to work out in my favor, and it did. It did. Even with my old internal fears, like I remember if I used to get a ticket and the policeman would be behind me, my blood would drain, like, oh, I got to pull over, and you knew you were going to get a ticket, and you knew exactly what was going to happen as a result, and you knew it was going to cost you a lot of money. But I remember even then saying to myself, well, it happened, and I can't change it. I could be mad about it. Of course I'm upset. I don't want to get a ticket. I don't have the money to pay for it. Why do they charge so much for tickets? And those kind of things came up in my mind but I didn't let it define me. So take today on. Do your best today. Accept life as it comes. And I will see you tomorrow, you guys. I love you. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. 